a song of ascents. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Our New Testament reading is from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 19. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. This is the word of the Lord. Would you all pray with me? Lord, we come to you tonight and ask that you would be faithful to do the thing that you have promised to do. That you would meet us by the power of your spirit with these words from your word and the words that I will share. God, we ask that you would minister to our hearts, that you would help us in the places where we need help, um, that you would fill us in the place where we need filling. Um, God, we uh, just commit this night to you, and we pray in your son's name. Amen. All right, well, I don't know about any of you guys, but I am the kind of person who would rather do absolutely anything in the world than need help. I'm the kind of person that if I'm carrying something and maybe it's a little cumbrous and someone says, oh, can I help you with that or get the door for you? I'll say, no, thanks. I got it. I'm good. I'm the kind of person who, if I'm working on a project and someone says, hey, do y'all need any help with that? I'll go like, ugh, I don't even, I don't know where to start. Like, I've got it. I'm fine. Thanks for your offer, though. I'm literally the kind of person who almost each night will balance three or four different cups or drinking vessels of some sort along with my phone and maybe a book as I make the way up from our kitchen to our bedroom, uh, all because I really do not want to need any help. I don't want to have to ask for help. And to be honest, this happens so much that my now 22-month-old daughter will start carrying things and say, I got it. <laughs> Which is super cute, but also makes me worry for her future. <laughs> and it's the same at work, right? I'll be stressing about something and someone will offer to help and I'll just never take them up on it. Um, and now a lot of times I'm perfectly fine with this arrangement. I like to work hard, you know, I like to balance all these cups because it's a fun game and see if I can not spill them while trying to open a door. But this all really does become a problem when I really, really do actually need help. 
because I've so ingrained in myself and in the people around me that Ethan's got it. You don't need help. Uh, that when those times come that I do need help, I can feel alone, I can feel afraid, I can feel hopeless, and I can also feel this almost weird sense of shame that I did this to myself. Now maybe for all of you it doesn't look this exact same way, but I wonder if any of you guys ever struggle with something like this. And if you do, this psalm tonight, Psalm 121, is for you. Because Psalm 121 is a psalm about help. And it's about a specific kind of help, and it's one that I think that we are all actually deeply longing for and seeking after in our lives. And Psalm 121 teaches us that our Lord, our God, created the heavens and the earth, and that he is a God who keeps so that we can trust him to keep us, whatever comes our way. And so tonight, as we journey along with the congregation in this psalm, we've got four stops on our journey. And first, I'm going to just walk us through this psalm and some of its poetic features. And then we're going to just dive deeper into what this psalm says about God and his character. Who is this God that we're talking about? And we'll also see how this God that this psalm describes is revealed most fully and gloriously and beautifully in the person of Jesus. And then I hope to take some time to speak to our hearts tonight. So let's get into it. Psalm 121, um, by way of introduction, is part of a collection of psalms that are called the Songs of Ascents. If you see, it's on the top of each of these. Uh, and now these are some songs or prayers or hymns that God's people would sing in worship, but they would sing it uh, in a particular season or time. So they would sing these songs as they would journey from wherever they lived to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate the holy days of Israel's uh, faith. Now these faithful Israelites would make this journey three times a year, there and back, uh, every year for their entire lives to go and celebrate these holidays. And so the songs of ascents are like a collection uh, that are in one package, and I've been thinking about them as I've been preparing as kind of an album, if you will. And it's an album that they would sing on repeat three times a year, every year, for their entire lives. Now, I don't know if you guys have albums like this, um, but I do. Uh, one of them is the 2004 smash hit, uh, Mm-hmm, by Reliant K. Uh, that tells my age a little bit, but uh, those are songs that got into my heart, songs that I could sing probably from beginning to end without missing a line or a beat. Um, now, I'm not going to subject you to that, um, but I wonder if y'all have psalms or albums like that in your lives, and so I kind of want you to think about these in that kind of way. Um, now, I know that in our age of Spotify and radio singles and stuff, maybe we don't listen to albums as much from beginning to end, unless you're a Swifty fan, of course, I don't mean to offend. <laughs> but um, these songs of a sense are like that. And, it's, and when you listen to those kind of albums, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? So there's a flow to them, the songs connect, you know, the end of one might bleed into the beginning of another, and there's just this beautiful symphony, and that's really what these psalms are about. 
And so, just like those albums that you listen to over and over again, these songs got into the heart of God's people. And what may have started out as a journeying song that they would sing on their way to Jerusalem began to become a song that they would sing while they're doing chores, or while they're out working in the fields, or while they're rocking a baby on a sleepless night. Um, These songs would stick with them, and they would grow as they went along their lives. And another beautiful thing about this psalm in particular, Psalm 121, is that it's a community psalm. The first two verses, if you look, have a lot of eyes and my's. It's in the first person. And the rest of the psalm after that is in the second and the third person. It's he's and you's. And so it has this almost catechesis form to it. Uh, it's kind of like a call and response. So I don't know if any of y'all sang songs on road trips as kids or if you went to summer camp and sang those songs where someone starts with one thing and then everybody else joins in with something else and it builds like that. Um, our family didn't sing like that, but I've seen it in movies, so maybe it's real. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's how I'm imagining this psalm going as they are walking their way to Jerusalem. So I imagine it starting like this, that one person starts out and they'll say, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then the rest of the congregation joins in and they will sing the next six verses. They'll say, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber, etc., etc." Reminding and speaking to each person the truths about who God is. And so we're going to look at this psalm in those two parts tonight, Um, the first two verses and then the next six. And so these verses start out um, with this group that I've talked about. They're on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and they're beginning to reach the difficult part of the journey, okay? They've, who knows how far their home is, could have been a day's walk, could have been a while, but wherever you're walking from, Jerusalem is the highest point in that area, So they're going to have to climb this mountain. As they start on the incline, they look up to the hills, and they begin to realize that they're needing help. And now these hills that they're seeing, they might represent dangers, either physical in the form of robbers hiding in a ravine, or just the challenge of this hike, or they could be spiritual. Um, The hills are where uh, idol worshipers would set up their temples. Uh, We don't really know what each person is thinking of, but they're coming to this point where they're needing help. And one of the things that I most love about biblical poetry and song is that uh, it's a fancy word here, multivalent, okay? Now, if any of you remember your English class, that simply just means that that is, uh, they can have different kinds of meanings or impacts depending on the person who's approaching it, right? So depending on the state of your heart or your mind, Um, It can have a different kind of uh, impression on you. And so this psalm, as I read it, um, I can feel that, and I want you all to feel that as well. Um, So I can imagine this coming from several different places, right? could come, the person could be saying this from a place of self-assuredness and confidence. They could be saying, my help comes from within. I can make it. I'm good. I don't need really anything else. Uh, This hill looks easy to climb. I've got it. I've got it. It could come from a place of hopelessness, right? Where they look up to the hills and they say, my help will never come. It's too far away. Like, 
Where is it? I've been waiting and it's not coming. It can come from a place of anxiety, maybe. They're looking and they say, where is my help? I really need it. It's not here. Like, where is my help going to come from? I don't know. Or it could actually come from a place of confidence and trust in God. Believe it or not, that is an option. Um, I don't always live that way, but um, that is there for us. But whatever is in the heart of this pilgrim as they are journeying along, the answer remains the same. It's that our help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Although the journey may be long and that the hills are high and far away and the way may be dangerous, our creator, God, who made heaven and earth, is near to us. And he is our help. And the fact that he made the heavens and the earth and the hills and all that they might hide means that he is the only one who is able to help us. And that he is the only thing that will not disappoint us if we put our hope and our trust in them. The psalm, when it says that he made heavens and earth, means that whatever kind of help that you might need, God is able to provide it. Because he made everything. But, as we've said several times in this series, knowing who this God is is not enough for us, right? Knowing that he is powerful really doesn't do a lot for us unless we know that we can trust him and that he will be there for us. Uh, And so, after the worshiper says these first two lines, the rest of the people join in and recite alongside them to remind them uh, about who this God, Yahweh, the Lord, is and what he's like. And the primary image that they use over and over again, it's six times in these tiny little eight verses, they call him a keeper. Now what this word means is that he is a God who watches over, he protects, he guards, and he preserves his people and all that is within his care. And so everybody joins in and they speak to this traveler and here's what they say. First, they tell her that the Lord will not let her foot be moved. Literally, this might mean that she won't slip or fall on this hike, uh, that she won't stumble and sprain an ankle. But the deeper significance of this is that God watches over and he cares for those little aspects and details of our lives. And it also means that whenever we face setbacks and difficulties, that God will not allow those to overcome us or to knock us down. Then they go on to tell her that her keeper does not slumber or sleep. Now, it's a common kind of trope in the time to refer to a God's lack of power or care or uh, presence or concern as them being asleep. We see this uh, several times in the Bible, but uh, when Elijah shows down with the prophets of Baal, who was a false god at the time, he actually teases them and says, maybe your God's sleeping. Shout louder. Wake him up. If then, maybe he'll help you if you can get him to just wake up. But he doesn't. So this psalm reminds us that our Lord, the true God and maker of all things, is faithfully and diligently watching over us whatever comes our way. And the repetition here of he will not slumber, he will not slumber nor sleep, 
tells us that he won't even sleep just a little bit. He's not going to rest his eyes or anything like that, right? But let's be honest for a minute. Do you guys ever feel like God actually does fall asleep? Like he's not paying attention in the way that this psalm promises? You ever feel like if he was really, truly, carefully watching over us in the way that this psalm describes, then surely things would be going better for us. And if you feel that way, you are not alone. Even in the psalms we see in Psalm 35, David cries out and he says, Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my Lord and my God, wake up. I know that I have felt this way. And this is why we need this community of faith around us to remind us of this beautiful truth and to work it into our minds and into our hearts and into our literal bodies as we lay down at night to sleep, that our God never sleeps. So we can. You guys know those nights where you're anxiously awake and that you're tossing and you're turning and you're filled with regret or worry, or sadness, or anxiety, or whatever it may be. I've had, unfortunately, several of those nights these past couple weeks. Uh, but Psalm 127, which is a few more tracks deep in this album of the Song of Ascents, it says that when we stay up late worrying about these things, we do it in vain. Because unless God is the one who's watching over us, that all of our sleepless nights and our worry is, can't do anything to protect us. But then it gives us a beautiful promise that God gives to his beloved sleep. God never sleeps, Grace Fellowship, so you can. And next, the song moves on to describing God's protection and his power to watch over and care for us. And here it makes it explicit exactly who our keeper is. So far it said, he will keep you, he will do this. And now it says, the Lord is your keeper. And this Lord, when you see it in all caps, is Yahweh. It's God's personal covenant name that he gives to Israel, and it encompasses his whole being and his whole character and everything that we know about him. It's like the difference between me standing up here and saying, my wife, which conveys very little personal information except for the fact that I'm married, or I can say Katie Smith. For those of you who know her, then that conjures this image of who she is and maybe what she's done and the time she's been there for you. So when we see Yahweh or the Lord here, it carries loads of personal meaning about who this God is in relation to us. And not only is this Lord our keeper, but it says here that he is our shade at our right hand. It means he's a sheltering and protective presence, and more than that, that he is near to us, as near as your right hand is. And this word shade is the same one that we see in Psalm 36, where it says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. He is near, and he shelters us. And then it goes on to talk about the sun and the moon. 
and they shall not strike you by day or night. And in general, this means that basically any danger that you can imagine that we could ever face, day or night, God protects us through it. It's a poetic meaning image that means that our shade will shelter and protect us from every kind of danger that could come our way. But more specifically than that, when it refers to the sun, this could mean potentially the, just the toil and the drudgery and the blah that you face just in the day-in, day-out grind of life. Uh, whether it is literally working out under the hot sun, pouring concrete, uh, or maybe it's just the weight of responsibility that you feel at work and the pressure from that, or maybe it's cleaning up the living room and washing bottles for what feels like the 10,000th time today, the Lord is with us, and he's there to shelter us. And on the other hand, the moon can refer to these kinds of fears and anxieties that we face, maybe the unknown things that are lurking in the dark. The psalmist might be thinking about robbers who are hiding to come and get them at night. Um, but it can, so it can be literal like that or metaphorical and just the, the weight of that anxiety. And uh, when I read this psalm, I think about back when I was about nine or 10 years old, hopefully not 11 or 12, I don't know, um, we lived out on a like, little hobby farm in rural Minnesota, and each night one of my chores was putting the dogs up um, in this barn that's about like 100 yards away from our house. And while I'm walking with, I think we had three dogs at the time, like walking out there with them, I felt perfectly comfortable, safe, nothing to worry about. And then I'd put them in this little room and as soon as I latched that door, I would turn and sprint back to the house as fast as I could because I was terrified of whatever may be out there in the dark. And so I wonder if you all have fears like that. They're nebulous, they're unspecified, but nevertheless they just hang heavy on your heart um, and they just are constant presence there. And if that's you, the psalm says that the Lord is also with you in that to shelter you. And then it moves on to our last two verses. Uh, and so far we've seen that God is the creator God who made heaven and earth. And that he's able to provide any kind of help that we might need. We've also seen in verses 3 through 6 that he is a keeper. That means that now we see the expression and the outflow of what this creator and keeper God does. And it shouldn't be a surprise to us, right? He keeps. Verse 7 begins, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. And now you all are being very quiet and paying great attention. Uh, I'm a teacher, so I'm not used to this. <laughs> but... If you've been paying attention like you have, uh, I might have just lost you when I read those verses, right? When I read that, that the Lord will keep you from all evil, my mind immediately goes to the hundred evil things that I have faced this last week alone, let alone all the millions and trillions that I can think of over my whole life that I just wish hadn't happened. And I know that some of you have been in a lot worse places than me. So we read this and we think, how can this be true? It's just not, right? The Lord has not kept me from all evil. 
But here, this is where the poetry helps us to make sense of this. This is another one of those things like the sun and the moon where the opposites kind of convey the true meaning of it. And the second line of this clarifies the first. It says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. And so the drive of this verse is that the Lord will watch over us and he will protect us and he will guard us through all of the evil things that we face each and every day. And he'll do that by keeping your life. Jesus builds on this when he says to his disciples in Luke 21 and several other gospels, he tells them, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. Hope none of our visiting families have any plans. But some of you they will even put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. And so our hope is that uh, God will keep our lives. And that even though we would even die, we will receive eternal life. And that because he is the guardian and the caretaker of our souls. And that even evil has no power over that. Because he is our faithful keeper. Now, the downside to this is that God does not promise us a life that is free from trouble. But what it does mean is that whatever trouble comes our way, they will not be able to cause us ultimate harm. They cannot rob us of our life that is in him. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's a famous pastor and theologian in Nazi Germany, um, who was persecuted and imprisoned and eventually executed for remaining faithful to the gospel in that difficult environment. He writes in a book, Life Together, the fact that Jesus Christ died is more important than the fact that I, too, will die. And the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead is the sole ground of my hope that I, too, shall be raised on that last day. And the Heidelberg Catechism, which is an old teaching tool of the church, reminds us that God preserves us in such a way that apart from the will of our Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from our head, and that all things, good or evil, must work together for our salvation. So he keeps us from all evil by keeping our lives in him. This brings us to the last line, which says that God will watch over and protect us and preserve us in this same careful and loving and watchful and powerful way from this time forth into eternity. That he's not going to stop. He's not going to sleep. That he's not going to give up and stop keeping us. But in the same way that he keeps the heavens and the earth going, he will keep our lives in this same way. Now, I know that in the daily, just to, like 
grind of life that all of this does not always feel true. But thankfully, as Bonhoeffer reminds us, right, we have assurance that all of this and even more is true in the person and the work of Jesus. Uh, So if you would, can I tell you guys about him? Can I? So Jesus, the very word by which heaven and earth were made, he took on human flesh And he lived a life of perfect obedience to the Father. But nonetheless, he came to suffer and to die in our place so that we would not have to. And on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus prayed in a garden while Peter and James and John, his best friends in the world, slumbered and slept. And while they slept, Jesus kept watch in prayer. And he slept, sweat, blood of anxiety on this dark night under the moon. And the next morning, after continuing to not sleep, he was made to pick up a cross, a cross that at that very moment he was upholding by his power of creation and by his word, and yet it was still too much for him to carry the weight of that cross up the hill. And his foot slipped so that ours would never have to be moved. And under the sun, he was struck, and he was beaten, and he was humiliated with no shelter or protection or anything at all. And last of all, he died. He gave his life up to suffer evil in our place so that we might live. But thankfully, that wasn't actually last of all, right? Because he rose again from the dead, and he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits, and he rules, and he reigns over all things, and he continues to uphold the heavens and the earth that he made by his very word. And so this is how we know that all of this Psalm 121 is true. And this is how Jesus keeps our life from this time forth and forevermore. And this is the hill, Calvary, where he died, that our help comes from. But if that wasn't enough, he also gives us his Holy Spirit, as we read at the beginning, who dwells with us and fills us and is our helper. He did not leave us as orphans, but he came to us and he is near to us with his keeping power forever. And so with all of that in mind, I just want to speak to our hearts for a few moments. The first point of application that I know, as I shared at the beginning, it is so common for us to look anywhere else but to God for our help. But the Lord who made heavens and earth is the only certain and sure hope that we have. So would we turn to him? Would we trust him? Would we seek him? Because if this God truly did create and sustain the world, and he is able to provide any kind of help that we need, and if he is a God who keeps things 
Can we not trust him to keep us, his people? Second point that I have for you is that God meets us with his help when we are faithfully walking with him. So these worshipers in this psalm were walking in obedience to God. They were going to Jerusalem to worship just like God had asked them to do. And now there were people who probably stayed home and didn't have to worry about any of these things in this journey. But they were going to the place where they knew that they had assurance of God's help. And that is what makes the journey worth it, even though there may be threat of robbers and even though it may be hard. The book of Hebrews, again, will say that Jesus is our great and high priest who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses so that we can have confidence to draw near to his throne of grace, to find grace and mercy to help in our time of need. Jesus has done all that he did so that we can come to the Lord for help. And a beautiful illustration of that is the child dedication that we had where they say, with God's help, we will. So, to our new parents who are dedicating children and those who haven't yet had the chance, uh, and to all of us, don't be afraid or ashamed or surprised if you find yourself needing help. In fact, what this is telling us is that we should come to church if we need help. Because this is where God promises to meet us with his grace. And that's why we are all here. So thank you all for coming tonight. And this leads me to the third point, uh, which is the most beautiful thing about this psalm to me, is that it's a community event. This psalm doesn't happen the way that it was made to without a body of believers journeying together. Right. This individual in this psalm belongs to a community of faith that are committed to helping one another, to reminding one another of the truths of the gospel, and to ensuring that we all reach this destination together. And so, all of us here tonight, anytime we gather at church or at our home groups or at dinner on a Sunday night after church or at a lunch on a Tuesday morning or if you eat an early lunch, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we are invited into this kind of life together, the kind where we give the help that others need and that we receive the help that we need. This is the life that we are called to in Christ. And one powerful and tangible way that we do this here at church and that I have experienced this is through our singing. There are times where I have come and not believed the words that we are singing or preaching or any of that, or maybe I just didn't have the strength to sing them on that night. But what a gift it is to just sit and to bask in this room that is full of voices of people who are journeying this life of faith alongside me and to minister to me without even knowing it just by singing the songs that we've brought. It's been a great help to me throughout my life. And I wonder if any of y'all have ever felt that way. Maybe you feel that way even tonight. 
But what I want to say to you is that you are here and that God is here with you and that he promises to meet you and that we are all here together. And so finally, the last point I have is that we receive God's help each week when we come to this very table. The bread that we eat and the wine that we drink is God's means of grace to us. It's his ongoing help each week as we come depleted and worn out and in need of help. And it's one of the ways that he gives to us and meets us each time we come to seek his face in worship. This meal strengthens us and renews us for the journey that we have still a long way to go on. Um, And so we need it continually. And we'll have the joy of sharing in that together in a minute. Um, But before that, would you all pray with me?